Hi, I'm Ronnie Floyd, and I'm the president and CEO of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee. On behalf of the Southern Baptist Convention, I would like to express to you congratulations and praise be to God for your 100th year celebration that you're having right now. And so the Heights Church there in Colonial Heights, Virginia, we're so proud of you and your pastor, Randy Hahn. What the Lord has done in your church the last 20 years is absolutely amazing. And isn't it like God to do such a thing, even when you are already almost at that time, 100 years old, and for God to do what he's done the last 20 years is a tremendous testimony to you but it's also a testimony to your commitment to evangelism and prayer and reaching people for Jesus Christ. You know, that's why I'm so excited about your new vision that you have because you're very committed right now to do all you can to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the 804 area code and you want them always knowing that man your church is there for them and thank you for that kind of commitment and that kind of vision. And you know what? You still have such a great opportunity. Thank you for what you do with us at the Southern Baptist Convention by doing all we can to take the gospel to the world. And you know what? As you reach this 100-year mark, I pray that God will make you strong. He will make you more committed than ever that you'll use this expression of celebration as a time to make a fresh commitment that we are going to do everything we can to reach our generation for Jesus Christ but to prepare the next generation to stand on the shoulders of success that God has given you in your first 100 years as a church. Congratulations again, and may the Lord give you your greatest years ahead. Well, happy birthday, Heights family. 100 years old. That was, uh, as you just heard, Ronnie Floyd, the leader of our, our Southern Baptist Convention. And over the next five Sundays following this, uh, each Sunday we're going to hear a different message like that from people around our state, around our country, people who've come out of this church, out into ministry in the world. So we've got some wonderful, encouraging, and challenging messages. I'm real excited just about those little snippets uh, right there that we're going to get. And you know, I announced last week that that Terry Harper was not going to be here next Sunday. We we had lined up for Terry Harper, the the pastor that was before me, and uh, Scott Perkins, the worship pastor uh, that was with me and and before Dale. But uh, go back a good ways. Well, this week we got to put something together where Terry and Cheryl are going to be a very significant part of next week's service. And uh, if you know them, you're going to love getting to see them and, and what they have to say. If you don't know them, it's just exciting to see, hey, there was a chapter before ours. Uh, the, the story didn't start with, with us. And so we, we've got some exciting things lined up here as we uh, are today. Today beginning six weeks celebrating a hundred years of the heights. Now, you know, I say six weeks. An anniversary isn't on a on six weeks, it's on a day, right? You may be wondering when the actual day is, was that we become a hundred years old. Well, it was a hundred years ago at eight o'clock PM last night. We're officially now a hundred years old this morning. February first. And uh I don't know about you, I sure hope the Lord comes back real soon. But should he tarry, 
today's the first service of the, of the next hundred years of the Heights. Amen. So we're going to, uh, wow, I mean, you know, folks, just stop and think. I mean, there was a, a group of people and, and they had a faith. They had a vision. They, they loved the Lord. They were followers of the Lord, but they believed that that love could be more, that it could do more, that it could go further if they did that together. And here's something, we're sitting here today, we're living here today in their faith. We're, we're living here today in their vision. And I, I just think that is so exciting. And the, the reason we're going to do this six weeks is what we're doing for six weeks is we're looking at a core value of our church. We have six core values. And the reason this seems like such a good time to go over that is I, I think a core value is a lot like DNA. You know, the stuff that you're born with, the, the stuff that comes from within. And uh, so that's kind of how we're going to be celebrating that. And, and today our core value is where family become, or excuse me, backwards, where friends become family. You know, again, you go back to that original group. They were friends. They were friends, they lived in the same community, they were neighbors, some of them were co-workers, and, and they were fellow followers of Christ. But you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to more define the relationship. Boy, what a message for us today where we, you know, relationships always seem to kind of keep those out there somewhere. They wanted to more define the relationship. They wanted to tighten the relationship to where they became a, a church a family. Maybe today I would use the word a team, although I don't think team is as strong as family or church, but kind of with our theme, uh, man, they, they wanted to become a team and, and have people join the team together. It's a lot of fun to be on a team. It's a lot of fun to think, hey, I made the team. I'm a, I'm a part of a team. Now there's requirements to get on the team in there. I mean, you're talking about this team right here, the NFL, Wow, that's a pretty restrictive team. I mean, you've got to be like a combination of the fastest, strongest, biggest, toughest, and not get injured. <laughs> and be a, you can be the best in the world and trip, and your NFL days are, are over. It's pretty difficult to get on that team. You know, only 1,593 out of over 7 billion people get to wear one of these in a given season. Pretty, pretty exclusive club. And, and with that comes some incredible benefits. I mean, pretty respected, a lot of fame. I'm sure there's a real sense of accomplishment when you make that team. And I think they make a little money. Do you all know? I think I've heard. I think they get a pretty decent paycheck for doing, doing that. But you know, folks, when you come on to Team Jesus, there's some pretty incredible benefits too, right? Man, on Team Jesus... On Team Jesus, I'm declared righteous before the living God. I don't have to fear meeting him. I don't have to wonder what's going to happen. I'm declared righteous. I'm a child of God. I'm a co-heir. I still try to unwrap that idea in mind. I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Eternity in heaven as my future. I, those are some pretty incredible benefits. Almost as good as being on NFL team, right? You know, now, there's also some requirements. And this is kind of the bad news and the good news. The bad news, you can't make the team. The good news, Jesus made it for you. Jesus made the team for you. 
and invites you and I to come onto that team and, and to wear his jersey. We all got our, our jerseys on, or a lot of us do today. It's a lot of fun putting on a jersey. You know, it's kind of funny in America w- wearing a jersey like with somebody else's name on it. I mean, you know, there's like not another scenario where I wear clothing that has somebody else's name on it. That would be weird. I'm not, no, why would I wear somebody? But it's football or baseball. I'm wearing, walking around wearing this name uh, in that. And, and, and you know, folks, as we put on this jersey, as, as we put on that name, man, we, we go to represent the Lord. You know, it may be weird that I wear this person's name, but we were actually created to wear a name. Not, not, not this, <laughs> not, not this one right here. No, you were created to wear a name, his name. Let me give you one verse, one verse on the first page of the Bible. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You and I were created. Our purpose in this world is to carry, is to bear the image of God. I would not say name and image are identical or synonymous, but they're very close. It's very much the same idea. You were created, I was created to go out there and deal with life and deal with it in such a way that we show what God is like. That, that we show who He is and, and we bear that image. And when we move away from our purpose, well, we're not going to experience good things Man, as we move away from that purpose, that's where loneliness and isolation and fear and failure and guilt and frustration. I mean, anytime something's being used outside of its purpose, those are the words that are going to be experienced. Here's maybe the worst word of all. Doesn't add up. If you, if you move away from your purpose, you can actually be living pretty happy, doing pretty well, look pretty successful, have some good relationships, and yet at the end of the day, you're going to find something just doesn't add up. We have to live in light of our purpose. The fish in the trees do not bear the image of God. The lions, the tigers, the bears, and the majestic mountains do not bear the image of God. You know, creation can point Creation can be evidence of the power of God, the intelligence of God. I would say the artistic nature of God, but it cannot bear the image of God. Only you can do that. That, that's what you and I were designed for, to carry, to bear his image, his name in this world. And in light of that great purpose for which you and I were created, God gives a very important directive. A command. Look, look at this up here. One sentence. You shall not take. Hold on to that word take. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Does that sound familiar? It kind of comes from one of those pretty well-known passages in the Bible. We call it the Ten Commandments. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And uh, fortunately, while we might all know that, or many of us know that, we... I'm thinking almost every one of us doesn't have a clue what that actually means. And, and, and it's not your fault. I, I think we trip on that word take because we have reduced 
We have reduced, we have made small that verse by reducing it to little more than don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't, don't use the name of the Lord as a, as a curse word. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, that would certainly suggest that, say that. So would a lot of other verses. But that is a really small way to understand what you and I are being directed and challenged with there. I, I, I think if we were to fix that word take, because the actual word used in the Hebrew language there bear. Bear. Goes right back to our creation. Do not bear, do not carry the name of the Lord in a way that is empty, in in a way that is in vain, that is worthless, in a way that shows God to be something that he's not. Folks, do you realize every single verse in the Bible Every command of Scripture is telling you and me how we do or don't do so that we best carry his name into the world. You know, I, I, I don't know if, uh, if Von Miller cares that I'm wearing his jersey today. <laughs> I, I don't know if he, I'm pretty sure he doesn't care. I don't know why I just said that. I, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't care that I'm wearing his jersey. I guess he's probably not bothered by what I do or don't do in his jersey. But let's just for fun say that in this jersey, I were to rob a bank. And I'm not very good at robbing banks. I, I hope that's encouraging to you. And so I'm going to get caught. I'm, I'm going to get caught right away. And, and so the next day in the paper, the headlines is, man in Von Miller jersey gets arrested robbing bank. Now, if, if I robbed a bank in Denver, that might actually be the headlines the next day. And, and so, so Von Miller opens that up. Von Miller, my favorite player on my favorite NFL team. That's why I wear his jersey. Who also went to Texas A&M, the best college in America. And, and, and so I've got a lot of reasons to wear his name. But he might open those headlines and say, well, why are they associating my name with that? Because that's just what happened, Right. Why are they associating my name with that? Now, my guess is he'll get over it and move on. But do you realize that's what we're doing in each sin? When I walk into a lie, I'm associating God's name with lying. I'm associating God's name with lust. I'm associating God's name with greed. I'm associating God's name with anger and revenge. I'm associating his name with bitterness and unforgiveness. And God could lay, hey, what, why, why are you associating my name with that? That's not me. That's not what I'm... I don't want my, my name on that. Folks, do you realize in every single sin we're telling a lie about God? If you were in a relationship with somebody and they, they lied about you every day, sometimes multiple times a day, what's that going to do to the relationship? When we are lying and lying and lying and lying about... You say, who am I lying to? You, you know the most important person you're lying to? Yourself. You're lying to yourself that God can be associated with this. You're lying to yourself that God can be comfortable with this. You're lying to yourself that God will get over it. You're lying to yourself that God doesn't care when actually he's already said, hey, don't lie because you carry my name and I don't want my name associated with that. I, 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 that's not what I want you to see. That's not what I want others to see. That's not what I want creation to see. And as we lie and lie and lie and lie and lie and lie and lie in more ways and times than we can even remember, guess what? That puts some significant distance between us and God. The Bible actually says it makes us enemies 
of God. You tend not to love your enemies. You tend not to want to hang out with people who lie about you. And that's what makes God's love so incredible. Is that he still loves you. Not the wishy-washy love we all so refer to today. Where love means you don't, you don't care about anything. You accept everything. L- love does care. Because wrongs hurt. Wrongs tear down. Wrongs destroy. If, if wrongs destroy something, why would it be loving to say, I accept that and I don't care? No, l- love absolutely cares. It's love. It's not anger. It's love that calls for justice. Justice that calls for wrongs to be righted, penalties to be paid, a price to be paid for that wrong that has been done. You and I, we, we don't do love or justice very well, and we certainly don't blend them very well. God can do both perfectly at the exact same time. Romans 5, 8, one sentence. God demonstrates, God proves his love for you in that while you were lying about him, I mean, literally, while you were lying about who he is and what he's like, while you were lying about him, Christ died for you. You see, the word love, Christ dying, is the justice. Love and justice happening at the exact same time. Jesus is the justice of God. We look at the cross and we see that horrible suffering. We see that the, the, the horrible death that he went through. What we're seeing is the horrible cost, the horrible price of sin. It's a price we cannot pay. Uh, other than that we go through our own physical death and spiritual death. Spiritual death is not a cessation of existence. It's an eternal separation from God. And God in his love will rescue. He will save. We talk about Christians being saved. What does that mean? It's being saved, rescued out of sin and death and hell. I mean, any thinking person ought to be asking, well, then how, how, how does that happen? How, how, how am I saved? One sentence. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, look at those four words, you shall be saved. That's a promise. That's a promise. You're counting on God. You're counting on his word. You shall be saved. If. It it did start with an if, didn't it? If you confess that Jesus is Lord. Folks, that's not just saying, say these three words and poof, magic happens. No, when I'm confessing that Jesus is Lord, I'm stating now my understanding, my acknowledgement that he is God. So I will worship him as God. I will obey him as God. I will follow and live for him as as God. When I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You know, the, the resurrection is kind of the capstone, the exclamation point to the most significant week in, in, or weekend in human history. The weekend that, that, that Christ was crucified and buried and then rose again. When I'm believing on that, I'm saying that's my hope. It's not that my uncle is something. It's not that I'm a member at this church. It's not that I'm really a pretty good person all in all. I'm not perfect, but I do well. I'm, that's not my hope. I, I, I'm not hoping in what I hope I can be. My hope My faith, the only thing I'm counting on is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's because Jesus is alive that I can say, I am righteous in Christ. 
And when I make that confession and I have that belief, then I will be saved. You know, it kind of demands right now that I ask, have you confessed with your mouth? Have, have you believed in your heart? You know, if you haven't, you can do so right here, right now, today. If you're not certain, you can do that right here, right now, today. The Bible wants you to be certain. God wants you to have the security of his love, of his acceptance, of his forgiveness. Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. I love that. Today. You didn't miss it yesterday. That's good news, isn't it? But there's also a warning. He didn't say salvation is tomorrow. Because I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know where I'll be, where my heart will be. Today is the day of salvation. Man, if you want to call out to the Lord and ask for that salvation in your life, I'd love to take just a second here and lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer much like I prayed when I asked Christ into my life. And if that's your desire, you just let my prayer become your prayer. Now, normally right here is where I would say, let's, let's bow our head and close our eyes, but I, I, I don't want you to do either. I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to close your eyes. And, and the good news is, maybe for somebody a little concerned about what's about to happen, nowhere in Scripture does it say prayer doesn't work unless your eyes are closed. It, it doesn't even actually tell us to close our eyes, okay? Here's why I want us to keep our eyes open. I want to show you the prayer. I don't want you just to hear it. I want you to hear it. I want you to see it. I want you to look at each word. I want you to look at each phrase and think, is that what I believe? Is that what I want? And if so then let my prayer become your prayer. Let's look at this. Dear Lord, I've carried your name in a way that is empty. In more times and ways that I can even remember. I ask for the forgiveness you have provided through your son, Jesus, and what he did for me on the cross and in rising again. Jesus, come into my life. Make me your child. Help me rightly carry your name. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, it, if that did just become your prayer, I've got, I've got some tremendous news to, for you. Romans 10.13 says, whoever, you're a whoever, aren't you? That's good news. <laughs> I, I can do that. I can make the whoever team. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know why you know why I want us to hold on to that verse? Man, we get all caught up in, well, that group says this about the Bible, and that group believes this, and well, they interpret it that way. You know, folks, God's not that hard to interpret. That's pretty clear right there. My, your, your faith is not in what a preacher said, or what this denomination said, or what that. Your, your, your faith is in what God's Word just said to you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you just called out, you are right now a child of of God, forgiven of all your sins. And boy, what happens next can be really important because it can kind of set a whole attitude about the rest of your life because Jesus now tells you to join the team. Jesus, your Savior and Lord, now tells you to, to put on his jersey, to wear his name. You say, I don't remember Jesus telling me to put on his jersey. Let me show you exactly where it happens. It's in the great commission that we receive in the New Testament, baptizing them in the name. Hey, is that word name all of it? Are you connecting some dots here today? 
It goes all the way through. That, that's, that's what I represent. That's what I live for. That's what my life is in. It's in the name, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That word baptism has the word jersey in it, believe it or not. The, the word baptism actually has two meanings, and both meanings are in operation at the same time. One meaning of the word baptism is to dip or to immerse. It literally means to plunge underneath the surface. You say, why Why does God want us to get wet? I mean, seriously, what does that have to do with anything that's going to happen from from here on out? Well, think about what just got pictured. I mean, we just saw it in eight. We had two in the other service. We've already had ten people baptized today. But what just happened? They died to self. They were buried They were brought up, resurrected a brand new person in Jesus Christ. There actually is something to the going down and the coming back up. But the second meaning of the word is to identify with. That's how it was used in the Greek language. You use the word baptism where we use the word identify. There, There was a day, December 19th, 1987, that I looked at the most beautiful woman in the world and I said, I do And right after saying, I do, I use this ring to baptize. This ring identifies me with a person. This ring identifies me with the institution of of marriage. This morning I woke up and I baptized with this jersey. I identified myself as a... I'm I'm not a player for the Denver Broncos. Just a fan. Okay, this is just identifying me as a, a fan. Folks, when you and I walk through the waters of baptism, we're identifying ourselves with the name, with the image of God. Do you realize what we're, we just made this, we had this spiritual moment where we were born again, and what we do in baptism is we take our first step back toward the purpose for which we were created on the first page of the Bible. We, 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 we take our step back to, I'm now ready to carry the name of God, to live for the name of God, to represent the name of God. Jesus calls you and me upon our calling out to him to join the team, to to put on his name, to carry his name. If you just prayed that prayer a moment ago, I want to invite you right here, right now to do what you just saw done with these others. And that is to come forward and to be baptized. You say, well, I I didn't come prepared to be. You get wet, right? I'm not prepared. We have everything you need. We have absolutely everything. This this is a promise I make to you. You got here in dry clothes. You're going to go home in the exact same dry clothes. I can't make any promises about your hairdo. But everything below your hair is going to be dry. Okay, we, we have everything you need to, to come here today and to be baptized. If you just prayed that prayer, man, in a moment, I want to encourage you to come forward. Go out either one of these doors and there'll be somebody to kind of guide you through the, the rest of what's going to happen. Maybe you didn't just pray that prayer. Maybe you did that. You called out to the Lord a week ago, a year ago, five years ago, but you never followed in believer's baptism. This moment is for you right here. I, I use that word believer's baptism because, uh, to be honest with you folks, I, I, maybe I was just all in training to be a Baptist pastor. I was baptized three times. But you know, the first two times I wasn't a believer. The, the first time I, I, I was sprinkled, I, I, I was a baby, 
And, and the next time our family was joining a Baptist church and we all got baptized together, but neither of those was my decision. All the New Testament shows us is a person who's made their own decision to wear the name, putting it on. That's what it is. And you know, when I did that, I wasn't making fun of what my parents led me to do or mocking what they had done or anything that I had done before. No, I was just, as a matter of fact, I look at what was done before as preparing me for that moment. And, and, and this moment being the fulfillment as I came to understand the words of Christ and the words of what he called us to and, and spoke to us to do. To, I want you to choose to put my name on. To bear my name and to carry it in this world. So maybe that's you. Maybe you just prayed that prayer. Maybe you prayed it a while back and have never followed in believer's baptism. Maybe you've been baptized, but your decision for Christ came after that. Man, I, I want to encourage you today to hear Jesus call to come put on his name. Hey, if you've got physical limitations... Maybe that's a reason you haven't been baptized. We have over the years worked with a lot of physical limitations. We more than likely can help you with that. Even if there's a wheelchair involved, we can get you baptized. One last person I want to reach out to. Maybe you're here today, you didn't pray that prayer. You've got questions, but you're intrigued. You're asking, I want to encourage you to come forward. Because when, when you do come down here and go out either one of these doors, you're going to find some people there ready to help you. And the first help they're going to do is just asking you some questions or giving you a chance to ask questions. The last thing I want, the last thing this church wants is for you to be heading to your car in a few moments or for you to wake up tomorrow morning and go, what did I do? What was I thinking? What, what was that about Oh, folks, we want to give you an opportunity to be very clear on what's happening in this moment, to absolutely understand what you're doing. So, so as you come forward and go down, they'll guide you through that moment. You may decide, you know what, I'm not, I'm not ready today. That's okay. That's okay. Take those steps to pursue and to seek and to, to understand. So I'm going to say a prayer. And when I get done praying, we're all going to stand up. And we're going to worship the beautiful name of our Savior. Amen. And as we're worshiping, folks, if you need to be baptized today, I encourage you to come down these, come down these aisles and make your way to either one of these doors. You say, man, it's packed in here and I'm right in the middle of a, uh, of a row. I'll never be able to get out. I can guarantee you if you'll tap the person next to you and say, I need to go down and be baptized the most joyous thing they and that whole row is going to do today is slide out of your way. Amen, church? Can I guarantee them that? We're ready to slide out of the way so you can get out and come down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now you would send your Holy Spirit through this room. And Holy Spirit, I pray you would speak and you would call. And I pray that every person that comes knows they're responding to you. They're responding to your voice. Lord, I don't want them responding to my voice. I don't want them responding to a mood, to, to a moment. Oh, Lord, may every person who comes down know they're answering the call of Jesus Christ to come carry, to come bear His name. The name by which we pray. The name by which we are saved. The name by which we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's worship, and you come.